Hi, Tim. Hi, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall, where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater. Thank you, everyone, for allowing us to give a holiday break to ourselves. We are recharged and we are back. We had a rerun last week of our very first episode, but we are excited for our podcast today with you. Yes. What puzzler do you have for us today, Tim? All right. What was the original title for the musical West Side Story? This is a good question. I thought I thought it would be. <laughs> we will circle back at the very end of this episode and we will discover that answer together. So what's in the news this week? A few items that I just want to talk about before we jump into a really um, exciting topic mm-hmm. today. There was a report that a film adaptation of Follies, the musical, that was, of course, written by Stephen Sondheim, has just been announced. It will have a film production by BBC Films and Heyday Films. How exciting is it that we are seeing these stage musicals, classic and contemporary, starting to get a larger life uh, on the cinema Yes, uh, I know, agree. We talked about a couple weeks ago, we talked about Lin-Manuel Miranda at the helm of Tick, Tick, Boom, which yes. is going to be produced by Netflix. And now we have just announced that there is going to be a production of Follies uh, that is going to be pro- produced by the BBC Films, which is really exciting. And we're seeing this happening more and more and more. Also, the Tony-nominated musical Tootsie is going to have its closing night on the Broadway on Sunday, January 5th, 2020, right after the new year. Now, we have not seen this musical. We didn't get a chance to see it when we were in New York um, about a couple months ago. Um, there is a lot of Hubble bubble about <laughs> this musical closing for a lot of different reasons. Um, I just think that it was written for an audience that is not for 2019. Correct. I still think it's a great musical. Um, there are, are some complications, uh, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but with the subject matter. But I just think it was a musical that it had a great run on Broadway. It's just really not what audiences are wanting this day in 2019 and into 2020. And of course, we see a musical about a man dressing as a woman, uh, pretending masking as a woman uh, to get a job to land a role, I believe, in a Broadway show. That's Which was great in, in the 1980s yes. when it came out on film, but this is not the 1980s. Well, and, the, so. and also we, we're seeing a new musical about a man dressing as a woman coming up with Mrs. Doubtfire starring Rob McClure. So It'll while, be interesting. We're, while we're losing Tootsie, we're, we're, we're seeing a similar theme occurring in an upcoming season with Mrs. Doubtfire. So we'll be really curious to see how that one plays out on Broadway. And then the West Side Story revival, this was something that many people were talking about. There's a lot of drama surrounding this lately. Yes. So two shows are going to be cut from the West Side Story revival. Two numbers. Two numbers. The ballet Somewhere and the song I Feel Pretty, Oh So Pretty, Mm -hmm. are going to be cut from the musical. It's also going to be a one act. It's not going to have an intermission. And um, the director, Ivo Van Ho... Ho or Hove? Ivan Van Hove. Correct. Okay. He's going to use the film version of America rather than the original version. He is really doing this reimagined, revamped production for 2019 to give it the energy and to shorten it to increase the intensity, um, he said in one of his interviews, to make it more like a juggernaut, to give the audience that feeling of it being short in, in that 48-hour time that the musical takes place. What are your thoughts on this reimagined idea. I want to start by talking about the uh, idea that there's so much drama surrounding uh, Ivan Van Hove choosing to cut two numbers from the show. 
And a lot of people were like, you know, uh, Leonard Bernstein and all the original creatives must be rolling in their grave because this is not <laughs> the original idea of what West Side Story was supposed to be. But I want to flip the coin a little bit, and I want to challenge our listeners and those that have an issue with what Ivan Van Hove is choosing to do conceptually with the show is to not judge a book by its cover, is to give the show its opportunity to have its voice heard. That's the beautiful thing about art is we can express ourselves in the way that we see fit. I know as a director, I am very proud of the idea that we can take you know traditional works uh, and flip them upside down on their head and give them a point of view that is more uh, that allows contemporary audiences to resonate with the story and the message because i believe if we if we present it in the traditional way it becomes in essence a museum piece where we're saying that's a good point this is a great window this is a window in time that no longer exists and let's look at it from the outside in but how can we take these traditional musicals and open up the story again and find a way to tap contemporary audiences into the message again. And I think that's what Ivan Van Hove is trying to do. And I don't want to, I love those songs and I love those moments in the show, but I'm going to give him a chance to tell his version of this story. And the same thing like with Oklahoma, many people had many issues, many traditionalists thought, you know, Oklahoma is designed to be presented in a very specific kind of way and should not be changed. It's sacrilegious. <laughs> but I also have heard from many people that really enjoyed and uh, enjoyed the new idea and the vision that was taken with the re- most recent production of Oklahoma. And so my question and the topic I wanted to get into now is we have these reactions as mm-hmm. artists, as human beings, as lovers of musical theater and how can we really encourage creativity and art and expression for the new society of mm-hmm. 2020 that we're about to go in? And in this discussion, I want I want us all to keep an open mind because we all have opinions and that's what I love about theater. Mm-hmm. It is art. It is creativity. It is your representation of whatever themes or story that you would like to put on that stage and have people talk about and discuss. Right. Is everybody expected to like every musical? Absolutely not. <laughs> I love when we're talking about this in class and some people are like, ah, SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical. That was crap. <laughs> but then you'll have another student that'll be like, oh my gosh, I love, I love those songs. Yeah. And so there is something for everyone. But I want to talk about how can we keep an open mind and and if we keep an open mind, how does that encourage creativity? So for example, we're talking about, we were just talking about West Side Story. We see these musicals that are quite often regionally presented the same way mm-hmm. because that's what audiences are expecting. You're expecting to see a Rodgers and Hammerstein with the same type of attire, the same setting, the same design. You're expecting to see a Disney production produced the same exact way with the same costumes. You go to a musical expecting something when it's a revival or something that's already been done before. Correct. How can we encourage people to not only as patrons of the arts, but as people on the creative team, directors, choreographers, musical directors, designers, everybody that's creating this new vision to take a chance and take a risk versus doing the same thing and doing these museum pieces and being okay with that, taking a chance and taking a risk. I think many artistic directors look at their audience, their demographic of their audience, and they think, you know, what is going to get what is going to get them into the seats of their theater? And, and I get that. It is about it is about money. I do understand that, but even as an audience, why not give our audience something different? I agree. I agree. And just to go back to my point, I th- I feel that 
artistic directors are trying to bring the Broadway experience uh, to their regional theater companies. And by doing that, they're afraid to take the risk or have the imagination to step outside of their comfort zone when reimagining a work, a, a classic work like West Side Story or even a chorus line. Many people say, well, that's Jerome Robbins choreography. You can't touch that. It's very specific and it should remain a, a museum piece. We should do it to cherish and appreciate the work of Jerome Robbins. And the same thing with Michael Bennett in a chorus line. Everyone says, when you hear a five, six, seven, eight, you know exactly everyone does the same exact thing with the choreo, right? They take their arms, they go star, star, down, down. I you love know? that you call that star, star. <laughs> Whatever it is. Jazz called. hand, jazz hand, jazz This is the director using choreography <laughs> terminology. Uh, He's right in front of me dancing it out too. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what everyone does. You're correct. And, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And what would happen, let's just say, what would happen if all of a sudden you saw five, six, seven, and something entirely different was happening. As an audience member, what what do you feel? All of a sudden, you're like, like, no, this is not right. Wait, this what, didn't happen. What's happening? What what is? Wait, what's going on? And but I love that moment as a director. Mm-hmm. I love that that it's unexpected. And I, I was talking to Allison, my choreographer, uh, as we're getting ready to transition out of Bright Star and into a chorus line. I don't want to veer too far away from West Side, but I want to. I think it's it has a similar resonating theme. I said, you know, we have the ability to utilize Michael Bennett's choreography. But I asked, I challenged Allison, and I said, you know, but I want to, I want you to bring your own individuality into the work, and I want to, I want to give you the opportunity to, to free yourself from the constraints of Michael Bennett. Yes, there are certain moments I think that we should pay tribute to, but at the same time, I want Allison to find her voice as a choreographer uh, within the show. And will it be inspired, of course, by the original concept yes. and truth? Of course, it will. But you're allowing then the the creator to say, "Okay, I can create mm-hmm. my own work." Especially when the design team, when they come in, they're like, "Okay, you want the same, you want the same light here, you want the same pop here, you want the same." Where's and the then, creativity in that? I know. And then what's the point? And the poor designers, I just I love that when you have a design meeting and and you say we're doing something different, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they lean in. Yeah, all of a sudden like, they're like a little bit more engaged in the conversation. Oh, and then and then you actually let them do their job and actually right. let them create a new concept idea with you know in in the costumes or in the projections mm-hmm. and that's what i love about a new work well, and, and also as a director, uh, you know, I'm in the midst of tech right now for Bright Star, and we're we're presenting an entirely different new vision of this show. And and I'm a little terrified because I don't know what the audience reaction is going to be, especially those that have seen, you know, the productions that have gone on tour and on Broadway at Bright Star. We're presenting this through a different lens and both choreographically and staging wise. And I think there's something beautiful in that, that feeling of, you know, a little bit of fear and excitement at the same time moving into opening next Thursday where we don't know how the audience is truly going to react to this new vision of the show. You know, I feel I feel as though as directors, we have a responsibility obviously to make sure the intentions of the playwright are met at all times. Right. But I feel like there's so much imagination that can be had with these classic musicals. And circling back to Ivan Van Hove, if if anybody knows his body of work and the work that he's done on Broadway, mm-hmm. He is known for this. This is what he does. Yes. You know, he he took the crucible and set it in a completely indi- different and kind of environment, which yes. which which worked. Obviously, it was highly successful. He also uh, directed a View from the Bridge, which was very minimalistic, but the story was magnified through his staging. And so, before I I want to reserve judgment on his concept for the show because I have to believe that he has something really interesting planned for us audience members. As an audience member, when you walk into a theater and say you're watching a musical that you've seen you know, a thousand times in community theater and high schools and professionally and on Broadway, 
wouldn't it be nice to walk in and go, I can't wait to see what they do with the show Mm -hmm. versus I'm going to go see the musical. I don't know. Pick your favorite, one of your favorite musicals, Tim. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> put him in spot. Sunday, Sunday in the Park with George. Which nobody ever does. I know. <laughs> I just picked like, I just pulled one right out of there. Let's say Sweeney Todd, right? Okay. And everybody does it the exact same. And then you see something totally different. Let's say an actor of color portraying the role of George Surratt. Okay. Wouldn't that be interesting? All of a sudden, I'm thinking in my mind, oh, how would that go? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something for those of us that go see musicals. Even you and I, sometimes <laughs> we're setting the audience and we're and we see the musical starts and all of a sudden we're like, what the hell is happening mm-hmm. here? And we're really uncomfortable because it's different at first. And then as it starts going, we're like, oh, I'm digging that it's different. I may like it. I may not. But it is something where I can see that the director and the creative team and the designers are putting their voices and their stamp on it. I agree. I actually just had a conversation with my students in our intro to theater class about, um, you know, the art of criticism and how how important it is for people to be informed about either the history of the director or the, the, the creative team or doing their research on the vision for this production prior to going into seeing a show. Yes. And I think if you arm yourself as an audience member with a little bit of information prior to going into the theatrical experience that you're about to, ex- to see, that in turn will soften the shock and awe that will occur in the first couple minutes of the start of that production. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, if, if, um, if we were going to see that Oklahoma revival, Unfortunately, we won't have the opportunity to see it, but uh, I would most definitely research the director and what and look up conversations that were being had about why this production was taken in this particular direction and then said, okay, I'm going to I'm going to have that in the back of my brain when I go into watching the show. And then that will help me make an informed opinion about what this work was like, if it was good or bad. That's a really good point. Mm I think many people that go see Broadway shows are not going to do that. Unfortunately, no. They and and that's okay. And I don't even want to. I don't even think "unfortunately" is the best word for it because we want people to go see that are tourists to go experience mm-hmm. theater. Sometimes there's going to be a kid in the audience that's that's sitting there watching The Lion King, and they say, "Oh my God, that is what I want to do the rest of my entire life," and yeah. that inspires them, or it inspires them to be who they are, and that's what musical theater and art is all about. So I, I, I feel like there are two sides of the coin, but those are people that are listening to our podcast right now, you that have us <laughs> in your ear <laughs> during your daily commute, are not the typical tourist that's going to see a, a musical right. or a, a play of any kind. So if you're on the creative team, we urge you to take a risk. We urge you as best as you can, wherever you are, to do something different. And if you're watching a musical or even a play, is to take in mind that it is more than just what it originally was. Mm-hmm. Let's do something different with every every piece that we put up because it is like redoing a painting or That's redoing right. an, a piece of art, re, reimagining a sculpture that once was. Can we ever do it like it originally was? Can mm-hmm. we ever have that Hal Prince, the original cabaret with the mirrors? Like, will we ever really be able to do that? Well, there's another perfect example. The Studio 54 production Mm -hmm. was entirely different than the original production. Mm -hmm. While maintaining the same intentions, it was... It was well received and obviously had a, enjoyed a very, very successful run on Broadway. So I think the same applies with this produ- upcoming production of West Side Story. Let's give it a chance. Let the creative team have their voice and then let the court of public opinion, once they've seen it, review the show and then, uh, and then 
discuss it in open conversations. Well, imagine how everybody felt when they saw the original cabaret, when mm-hmm. Hal did that, the angled mirrors. Yeah. And they were like, why is this in German? <laughs> what is happening? What What's all this sex on stage? Uh-huh. And why is there somebody dressed up and it is an MC? What is going on? They were so uncomfortable. And all the interviews even say that they were like, what is happening? That is what I love. And maybe that's just you and I. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I, I'd like to hope there's a larger audience out there that that is enjoying this kind of show um also i wanted to talk about a little bit about the direction i think that revivals really are going and we're seeing this uh in the tony award season where there are fewer and fewer shows within the category of best revival popping up yeah you're correct and the revivals that we're seeing i believe we're starting to see that are getting nominated for best musical are more conceptualized versions of traditional works yeah you're correct and i think that's very telling about where public opinion is going within theater circles about traditional Broadway musicals. Uh, Case in point, uh, we went to go see a lovely production of Kiss Me Kate on Broadway starring Kelly O'Hara last year. Mm -hmm. And while while the production was beautiful, I felt it was very much a museum piece. Yes. And... Uh, I think the director was very self-aware of the inherent sexism in the show. Yes. And actually removing the paddling scene yes. from that play. And some a few lyrics were changed as well. Right, to kind of remove some of the sexist nature of the production. Yes. The problem is it's stuck in a very specific window of time. Mm-hmm. And even if you take the paddling scene, you take some of those words that are very sexist out of the musical – it still is a very sexist musical. And so should we be producing those shows in on Broadway? In 2019. That's a conversation we have quite often. But as I was looking through our, our list here, I mean, I see a couple of revivals. Company, mm-hmm. um, West Side Story, obviously. The rest of... I don't see any other revivals unless I'm well, missing at, a couple of things. Look at this production of Company. It's, again, a completely, completely different reimagined work with a female Bobby. You're right. And so this is, I think, where revivals are going. And I think we're, cre- which is exciting because we're creating, I feel like, a new category within the Tony Award season. It's almost like not best revival, but best revival and best concept musical yes, <laughs> at the same re-imagined time. Reimagined revival. I think that's exciting as well that we are seeing these musicals that are going to Broadway that are getting a second, another second, third, fourth run in the revival um, category that are different, mm-hmm. that are going to push the boundaries mm-hmm. and i think this is where 2020 is really going and yep. this is what we talk about every single week actions progressing seeing the change we want to see in the kind of theater we watch yes so shall we circle back to our puzzler answer yes please okay our puzzler was what was the original title for the musical west side story the answer is east side story oh what's so le- the story behind that all right so a little backstory uh it was originally intended to be titled east side story a musical that took place in the east side of manhattan between two rival gangs so the same idea okay but it was between the catholics and the jews oh yeah that's right i remember this now so unfortunately the idea the concept didn't have enough weight behind it and so they kind of let the project go for a little while until around 1955 when the news uh news article started popping up about um, escalating gang violence in the Los Angeles area. And so that inspired the creative team, uh, the original of West Side Story, to reimagine the story and place it on the Upper West Side of Manhattan between predominantly Protestant, Caucasian Catholics, and Puerto Ricans. And all of a sudden, it opened up 
a larger musical mosaic of things that Drum Robbins can pull from. And so uh, obviously that's where we went with West Side Story. But originally it was called East Side Story. Very cool. Today we're going to end with an audio clip from an interview featuring the director of the City Center production of Evita that's happening right now. Her name is Sammy Canold. I I hope I'm saying her last name correctly. And then also it stars two females playing the role of Evita. And may I say they're both from the Latinx community? Yes, they are. And we're going to hear the the female that plays Ava from ages 20 to 33, um, Solea Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. And we hope you have a wonderful week. We will see you next week. It is such a gift to work with Slea Pfeiffer and Maya Rafiko on this piece because in many ways we are uh, reinventing what the relationship is between a character that has been one person for so long and splitting it into two people. It's really about telling that new part of the history that's that's always been there but has never quite been highlighted in the way that we're highlighting it. Getting to see Ava actually be a teenager and be a kid, it totally changes the way you view the story and the way you... Um, the way the audience is going to connect. It's amazing to portray such an inspiring story that to this day it's still relevant. It is crazy the amount of limitations and the amount of obstacles that she had in her way because she was a woman, because everyone saw her as Beron's wife or as this actress who just wanted to be famous and it's like no one ever really kind of took her for what she actually was. That was this huge, strong, empowered woman. We have an all-female team working on this. This show is not messing around. We are not messing around. And so I, I'm hoping people come away seeing Ava Peron as a more human person who they understand and can relate to, um, but also that they fully recognize the full force and the seriousness of the millennial women in this industry.